Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, from downtown Toronto and the St. Regis Hotel. Welcome to the Empire Club of Canada. For those of you joining by webcast or podcast, welcome to the meeting. Today we present Alberta's Minister of Finance, Travis Taves. There's an old saying in politics, don't tell me what you value, show me your budget, and I'll tell you what you value. Alberta's finance, uh, Minister of Finance, Travis Taves, is here to tell us about his budget and what his values are for the people of Alberta. He joins us hot on the heels of tabling that budget, the first for the United Conservatives only a few weeks ago. It's a $58.7 billion roadmap entitled Ambition, Getting Albertans Back to Work. It's a, th it's a theme that we saw from the UCP during their successful campaign and from the Blue Ribbon Panel uh, McKinnon Report. And it's a theme that has only become more urgent in the aftermath of the federal election. It calls for a balanced budget within four years, reining in labor costs and restructuring government while protecting frontline service. It cuts a slew of boutique tax credits in favor of a single job creation tax cut. If all goes according to plan, this tax cut will bring in $4 billion in real investment every year through 2023. But I don't want to steal this thunder, so I'll leave it there. But I think we can all agree when I say there has never been as important a time, a more interesting time, and a more insightful time to hear from our friends in the West. So please join me in providing a warm welcome to Minister Travis Taves. Well, thanks, Mike, for that. Another few lines, and you would have effectively delivered my budget. <clears throat> uh, cl clearly, uh, clearly, you've you've paid attention. It, I, I want to start. It's a great privilege to be here today, uh, recognizing the long history uh, and distinguished history that this club has uh, uh, in Toronto and and in the nation. So, uh, again, appreciate the invitation. I will be presenting uh, basically our, our budget outline, and, uh, and I'm pleased to do that. But I'm going to talk about a few other issues uh, in Alberta, post-federal election issues as well uh, today. Premier Kenny spoke to the Canadian Club here in Toronto, uh, and there he shared a, a non-apologetic, unapologetic commitment to economic growth recently. And I'm here to tell you today that we've acted on that commitment. In just six months, we've taken uh, concrete steps to improve the competitiveness uh, of our business environment. We've um, introduced the uh, corporate tax uh, reduction. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. We're well on our way to modernizing our regulatory environment. And we have a credible uh, fiscal plan to bring our pro uh, province to balance uh, within our first four years. Alberta has been a significant contributor to the national economy, and I expect in, in this, um, with this group, uh, that's not news to you, but I do think that um, often Canadians don't understand our contribution. In fact, I'll say this, Albertans, I think very often don't understand the contribution Alberta makes to, to the nation. Uh, we have a population of just 12% of the Canadian total, yet we contribute or attract 25% of the capital investment uh, of the entire nation. Uh, we account for 22% of the goods exported. And in fact, uh, we account for 16% of the real GDP in this country. Uh, 
Alberta ranks uh, second in terms of investment and in terms of uh, ex uh, value of export goods, only behind Ontario. And our economy, the size of our economy, it ranks third in the country. In the last 20 years, and I should back up, I think when people think of Alberta, we think of energy, and, and that's appropriate. I'll talk about the energy industry today, as you would expect. But uh, there's a fact that very few realize, and, and I think many Albertans as well, is that our economy has been diversifying over the last 20 years. Uh, real GDP growth in Alberta has averaged 2.9% in the last 20 years. Uh, GDP growth from the energy industry has been 1.9%. So we've, we've seen um, growth in non-energy areas actually outstrip uh, the energy industry. And I view that as positive long-term, and yet that does not diminish the value or contribution the energy industry makes uh, both to Alberta and to the nation. The Canadian energy, energy share or, or sector attracted $53 billion in 2018. Uh, and this is, again, the Canadian energy sector as a whole. And this rep represented over one-third of total private sector investment in the nation. So just a, a massive contributor uh, to the economy. We've, we, the ener Canadian energy industry exported almost $23 billion worth of goods. That's, again, almost a quarter of Canada's uh, total exports and contributed $230 billion in nom nominal GDP uh, in 2018. The, the Canadian ener energy industry has made and continues to make an incredible impact uh, on Canada's economy. This next slide really shows a departure uh, in energy investment and, and the resulting implication on jobs uh, that began in 2017. And that was a time when, when uh, we in the Canadian energy industry, particularly Alberta, started to run into egress challenges. Challenges um, that really uh, could be described as we don't have enough pipeline capacity for, to get our energy products to the markets. Uh, where, where, where the market uh, demands those products to go. And so we started to see a divergence in everything from drilling activity to employment and certainly to investment. In 2018, uh, drilling activity in the U.S. grew by almost 18%, and in Canada, it declined by 8%. Unhindered employment in Texas, uh, says mining, oil and gas extraction industry has grown 25% since the fall of 2016. Uh, Alberta, uh, Canada's has grown by simply 5.6% since that same time. As a province and as a nation, I would suggest we absolutely need additional energy egress, additional energy takeaway capacity. That's perhaps sets the stage um, for the budget that we have worked hard to prepare. We've uh, We've been busy uh, really since June uh, in budget preparation. This, of course, this first budget is not only the, the first budget year we're dealing with, but it's really developing a four-year fiscal plan and a credible four-year fiscal plan that uh, results in a balanced budget um, for Alberta. We were elected on a commitment to bring responsible fiscal management back to the province of Alberta. And I can, I can say this, that I take that commitment very, very seriously. And I know our Premier takes that commitment seriously as well. There were a number of themes in Budget 2019, but ultimately um, Budget 2019 will improve the competitiveness of our business environment. That's key. In fact, 
when we uh, put our platform in front of Albertans last spring, our plan was this, that we would bring responsible fiscal management to the province by holding spending flat and growing the economy and thereby balancing the budget in our first term. When we took office, we found that the, circa, the fiscal circumstances we inherited were so challenging that we could not get to balance by simply holding spending flat. So we have introduced a budget that actually reduces spending over, over the next three years, which is a challenge, but I believe, I believe very doable. Our intention is to also uh, create well-paying jobs for Albertans. In fact, that was the, that was the, um, the end in itself. The means to the end is attracting investment, growing the economy, bringing the province back to balance. But providing good jobs and good opportunities for Albertans was absolutely paramount. It includes living within our means and protecting frontline services. Like um, I expect every province, Albertans expect our government to deliver high quality world class education and healthcare services particularly. And we made a commitment to Albertans in our campaign that we would, we would bring this province or, or Alberta to um, balance but we would not do it by reducing expenditures on health and education. And our budget uh, recognizes and is congruent with that commitment. Back to investment jobs in the economy. When we uh, started our legislative session, uh, bill number one was repealing the carbon tax. And that was an absolute pleasure. I had, as a new MLA, a new minister, I had the privilege of uh, bringing forward bill number one, which was the largest tax reduction, tax repeal in the history of the province. And so it was an incredible privilege, and it was felt immediately the next day by virtually every Albertan. We've also, as I mentioned, before, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, we introduced uh, by legislation the job creation tax cut, which is effectively a reduction in corporate taxes from 12 to 8%. Uh, the first one-point reduction began, took place uh, July 1st of this year. Uh, the last uh, point from 9 to 8 will happen January 1, 2022. And at that point in time, Alberta will have by far and away the lowest combined federal-provincial tax rate in the country. And we will have a lower, more competitive uh, corporate tax environment than 44 of 50 U.S. states, and we will be close to the remaining six states. So again, we're looking at managing the things that we can manage as a provincial government, and this was one of those. Uh, notable economists, uh, Bev Dalby, uh, Jack Mintz from the University of Calgary, have, su have suggested that uh, this... Um, Corporate tax reduction will result in 55,000 additional jobs by 2022. Now, we know there's a lot of other variables at play. But again, isolating this measure, uh, we're confident, will have a, have a great effect on attracting investment and creating job opportunities for Albertans. We've adopted the accelerated capital cost allowance provisions introduced by the federal government last year. We had a choice as to whether we would adopt those or not. I certainly... Um, believed it was essential that, that those provisions be adopted. We've done that. And we know, I know, that uh, that, that initiative will, in fact, encourage uh, capital investment, improve productivity, and grow the economy. We have a very um, significant red tape reduction effort underway. The Premier appointed a minister, associate minister of red tape reduction, and that minister and his team wake up every day with one job in mind, and that is to modernize Alberta's regulatory environment to reduce red tape, to get government out of the way where we simply have been in the way, 
and to ensure that we have the most nimble, competitive regulatory environment possible. Out of all of the initiatives that we've undertaken, I believe this one may hold the most promise if we get it done well. And I'm a fresh from the private sector. I, I know that government doesn't know best um, on issues such as this. So our minister and our government has been engaging the private sector industry by industry. We've been engaging Albertans, municipalities, uh, the public sector on identifying, again, those regulations that are simply not achieving any material purpose, uh, which then simply need to be re uh, removed, or those that are overly prescriptive and not um, implemented in the most efficient manner, which again, require reform. This next slide uh, really shows what I've already talked about, and that is Alberta will have a, an extremely competitive um, business environment from a corporate tax standpoint uh, by uh, January 1, 2022, when our full tax reduction is, com is implemented. I want to talk a little bit about debt because uh, we inherited a debt trajectory that's actually quite shocking and when you see the, uh, the slope on, on this graph. We uh, inherited uh, the highest per capita deficit and the fastest growing debt of any province or state in North America. And as an Albertan, that is shocking, incredibly shocking. And, and it also shows, um, it created uh, an incredible challenge for us as we drafted the budget because we've inherited a very significant upward spending trajectory and we absolutely have to get that trajectory headed downhill. And I found out that was no easy task as, as we started our bu budget deliberations. Mike mentioned the McKinnon panel, and I appreciate that back in May, uh, the, really the Premier uh, appointed an expert panel to do a deep dive uh, into Alberta's finances. I had the privilege of being at the press conference, but um, with full transparency, it was his idea, and he appointed the panel, and he nailed it. He appointed uh, really an expert panel led by Dr. Janice McKinnon, who was the NDP finance minister in Saskatchewan when they faced a very, very challenging fiscal uh, period in their history. And the McKinnon panel uh, worked, uh, they really gave up their summer. They worked very hard on doing a deep dive in our finances. KPMG provided great data. Uh, for their work. And at the same time, um, Treasury Board, of which I chair, uh, did simultaneous work, uh, parallel work, uh, as the McKinnon panel. And when we received the report from McKinnon, we merged those two efforts and out of that drafted our budget. There was a few findings that uh, I found absolutely jaw-dropping uh, when the McKinnon panel uh, made their report. And that, and that was... Uh, the largest one, the most significant uh, finding was that Alberta spends $10.4 billion more per year on a per capita basis relative to uh, the average of Ontario, British Columbia, and Quebec, the other three largest provinces in the Confederation. That, that was jaw-dropping. That's 20% that's higher spending per capita than the average of the other three provinces. It's interesting. I'll do a press conference you know, releasing the McKinnon panel findings, often the first question I'll get, when, you're, when are you going to introduce a sales tax? And, and to me, it's absolutely nonsensical when we're spending 20% more per capita that we would actually reach into taxpayers' talk, pockets even deeper and shovel more money out of the back of the truck. It, it's, it, it's simply nonsensical. The McKinnon panel report really put a focus on, where, on what we need to do, the task ahead for this government and that is to bring our spending into con under control. 
to ensure that we're delivering efficiently and effectively and with real value on behalf of Albertans. Healthcare spending would be $3.6 billion less if our per capita spend was consistent with the other three provinces. And here's, here's the other concern is Alberta's not seeing better value for money. In terms of uh, healthcare uh, delivery metrics or wellness metrics, we're no better off than, than you are here in Ontario or uh, Quebec or British Columbia. Budget 2019 begins to change the trajectory on that spend. It begins to put us on a trajectory where at the end of four years, our spending will be much closer to the per capita spending of, of other provinces. I'm gonna take you to the key fiscal metrics of our budget. If there's accountants in the room, you'll like this slide if you don't like any others. Um, ultimately, our, our revenue is projected to stay very flat for, uh, for two years, for the current fiscal year we're in and for 2021. And then to, to move up, um, not, a, not significantly, but to gradually move up to uh, just under 54 billion and 57 and a half billion by 22-23. This, friends, is not a boom time scenario. This is not a, um, an Alberta boom time outlook. This is a very cautious, what I would, I would say is a cautious but realistic revenue projection. We're projecting real GDP, which is, we're forecasting to be a tepid 0.6% this year to move up next year to 2.7 and then to 2.9 and ultimately to 3%. But again, uh, given the slack in our economy that we have today, and given the fact that we're seeing population, expecting population increases, and in fact seeing that today between 1.5 and 2%, a 2 to 3% GDP increase is uh, far from a boom time scenario. I would love it if we could see a 4 or 5, and, it, and, and should we see a few um, real positive things happen in our favour, that's not out of the question. But when we provided direction to Treasury Board officials on revenue projections, the direction was this. We want a very cautious, um, we want to use very cautious assumptions in our revenue projections. We want, they need to be credible, but uh, they need to be on the cautious side of average. We, our budget projections include West Texas intermediate prices of $57 for this year, $58 for next, and then slowly moving to $62 and $63 in the out years. So again, basically flat for a couple of years and then just very gently moving, moving up. I'm going to talk a bit about spending, but, but I'll preface it with this comment. When, when Dr. Janice McKinnon presented her report to me, she said this. She said, you know, Travis, um, Alberta still has options. You are not in the fiscal mess that we were in in Saskatchewan uh, when I took over as finance minister. We had to make draconian moves to, uh, to get our province in fiscal balance, and we had no choice. You still have options but do not delay. Do not delay a day, or you will find yourself in the same position that we were in. And, and so that was great advice as we finalized our budget. It was great advice to begin turning that downward uh, trajectory on expenditures immediately. And so our operating expenses this year, actually, even though we're going to be passing this budget two-thirds of the year through our first, through two-thirds of the way through our first fiscal year, we managed to pull what was a 4% increase in uh, uh, operating expense increases down to a half a percent decrease in year one. Next year, we will pull it down another 2% and then basically hold it flat 
in the out years. And I know that there will be challenge with that. We know that in many of the ministries, there's great upward case pressure. We know in healthcare, our spending pressure is, you know, is outstripping population growth and inflation. But when we see the McKinnon panel findings that we're spending like gangsters out there at $10.4 billion more than the comparative provinces, I know there's room. I know there's room not only just to cut spending. In fact, that's not ultimately the answer. The answer is tearing down the way we deliver programs in Alberta and redesigning program delivery to a 21st century model and delivering more effectively, delivering in a more focused fashion and delivering with, uh, with value for Albertans. Many people expected uh, Klein Eric type cuts, especially after the McKinnon panel was circulated and they realized that you know, quite conveniently our spending was 20% higher than, uh, than other provinces. Of course, many of them remembered, if they were my age, they remembered when Ralph Klein presented a budget, they were exactly 20% cuts. And I think many, many believed we were setting the stage for a Klein era budget. Uh, fortunately, that type of budget wasn't required. We believe a 2.8% spending reduction is sustainable, is credible, and will ensure that we can deliver high quality services in the next four years. I want to, um, I want to point, out to, uh, point out one rather, I would call it an ugly uh, line item on this uh, schedule, and that is our crude by rail provision. We've, we've established this position. It's $1.5 billion, which I believe will be the, the ceiling for Alberta to get out of the crude by rail business. We inherited um, multi-billion dollar contracts from that the previous government signed just weeks before the end of their government term. Their plan was to uh, add additional egress opportunity to the oil sector by um, basically taking on um, significant rail car capacity, getting into the business of buying oil, loading oil, transporting oil, and selling oil. And their, their business case left uh, Albertans with a $1.8 billion loss on a, on a face value basis. That's the business case that was in front of Albertans. The only rationale that they had to do this was that the additional, they believed the additional egress would actually narrow the differential between Alberta heavy crude prices and West Texas intermediate prices, in, increase royalty revenues, and thereby be a net positive to the Alberta fisc. Unfortunately, well, or fortunately, they also brought in really a competing policy, and that was curtailment. Curtailment narrowed that differential to 12 and 13 and 14 dollars a barrel, which uh, so curtailment did all the work on the narrowing of the differential. The crude by rail effort could do it no further. Consequently, when we took a look at this um, business case and the lack of merit to continue, there was only one option, and that was to extricate Albertans from the crude by rail experiment. And we are in the very late stages of that today. The good news is, is we will be able to download the vast majority of this capacity to the private sector. And we know the private sector will be able to deliver on this effectively. So we will have maintained the incremental capacity at the same time saving Albertans well, what I would say would be well over 1.8 billion because which government enterprise ever went exactly according to plan? And we will extricate ourselves for something less than $1.5 billion. 
We've also set up a contingency uh, amount. Again, that was based on the McKinnon panel recommendations that will allow some um, allowance for disaster and emergency preparedness. Uh, we've, um, in the last five years, have had our share uh, of those types of events. Our operating expense comparison uh, slide basically shows the change in trajectory from the previous government plan to our plan. And it results uh, by year four in a $7 billion difference in operating expenditures. Uh, again, I was, uh, I was absolutely committed to start this trajectory down in year one. We were able to accomplish that. We'll take it a bit further down in year two and then flatten it out in the out years. I want to talk a little bit about Alberta in Confederation. I expect in this room there's a pretty good understanding, but I don't think this is shared by all Canadians. Alberta and Canadian energy is truly some of the most responsibly produced energy in the world. An example of this, and there's many, many examples of this, but one is that um, oil sands, uh, GHG emissions, have decreased by almost 30% in the last dozen years. And um, new incremental production uh, in terms of uh, GHG emissions uh, from oil sands investment is very much on par with conventional oil production. And there are plans to reduce that more and more and more. We have an incredibly responsible energy industry relative to their environmental responsibilities and especially relative to uh, the social impacts on this country. And yet, we don't get credit for that. As polite Canadians, uh, we really are the brunt of so much of the environmental activism that takes place around the world. And I believe that our, uh, our, en our energy industry, our province, and our nation has been held back because of this activism, because of this disinformation that's um, been basically sent around the world and certainly to Canadians as a whole. We are establishing the Canadian Energy Centre. We are, that, that centre will have a $30 million budget and that centre will work with the industry at correcting uh, errors, correcting uh, misinformation, combating lies, quite frankly, about the Canadian energy industry. We, we believe that's absolutely essential to establish the truth around our responsible energy in Canada. We're going to stand up to all the misinformation and unfair attacks on our industry, and we've also launched a public inquiry into foreign funding of anti-energy campaigns. We know that a lot of these campaigns were, in fact, foreign funded. We're, we think the Canadian public has a right to know where the funding came from and to draw their own conclusions on the, the purposes and motives of this funding. And so we're committed to making that public. I want to talk, uh, probably largely close with this topic, uh, talk a little bit about Alberta within the Confederation. Alberta makes uh, an outsized contribution to the country. Um, in 2018, even in spite of our challenged economy in Alberta, uh, we, our net fiscal contribution to Canada was uh, over $22 billion. On a per capita basis, that was $5,200 per, per Albertan. The next closest um, contributor in terms of net fiscal contributions was Ontario at just under 1,200. So we were at 5,200. 
The next closest is Ontario at 12, and then British Columbia is uh, very close to 12. Saskatchewan's at about 200, and all the other provinces are net recipients. Albertans are starting to understand the incredible contribution that we make as a province to this country. And so when the Trudeau government was elected again for a second term, after, how, after what I would characterize as um, best case scenario apathy to the Alberta energy industry, worst case scenario, and maybe not worst, but possible scenario as very obstructionist to its growth, Albertans, I would say, were rightfully outraged. Here we have uh, an industry in a province that is making this outsized contribution to the Federation and reasonably okay with doing that. At the same time, we have a federal government and some provincial governments that are obstructionist in the very infrastructure, regulatory framework and environment that we need to continue to grow our industry and to continue to be this large contributor to the nation. More and more Albertans clearly understood that calculation and were justifiably outraged with the results of the election and could not understand it, quite frankly. They could not understand the outcome. I was an observer back uh, in the um, senior tr Trudeau years, given my age. But I observed the um, reaction, the emotional reaction to the National Energy Program. I observed the economic downturn, tragedy, quite frankly, because it wasn't just that, you know, we, we, could, we could supply all the numbers and the numbers were kind of cold. But I knew a lot of the personal stories related to that event, and they were tragic. And folks, the last three years in Alberta, many of the, those stories have replayed themselves time and time and time again, as there's been the loss of tens of thousands of great uh, energy jobs lost in the province of Alberta. And Albertans got that this time. And the emotion around this event, returning, uh, returning um, Prime Minister Trudeau and his government back to office, I would say has been much larger than the response in the early 80s. And it's been, it's been almost shocking to see that kind of response. And as a government, there was really very little we could say for the first quite a long period of time. Unless, unless we were going to be outright separatists, um, there was very little we could say. And so we actually... Um, we, we, we allowed a cooling off period. P Premier Kenny, uh, on the day before yesterday, was at the Manning Conference, and he um, outlined our plan. And that is to appoint an expert panel to consider various and sundry measures that will create, potentially, additional firewall, but maybe more importantly, put economic decision-making in the hands of the province. Now, there was a number of initiatives that he identified, and what will be important is to do a rigorous analysis on every one of those initiatives. There will be unintended consequences that in the coffee shop uh, will not get outlined or articulated well. But, but so every, one, every initiative re will require detailed and thorough, thorough analysis. But we will undertake uh, that work beginning immediately. This panel will take that information and get in front of Albertans and talk to them about the direction that we need to go as a province. 
I believe it's a defensible position. I, I believe this is an essential activity. And it's an activity that will ensure that uh, as much as possible, as much as we're able, that we as a province are going to be pro uh, providing the economic direction that's required to, to improve the outcomes for Albertans. Now, I'm hopeful that we will see additional energy egress, not only for the province, but for the nation. We need an energy industry that is performing at the highest levels. And so I'm incredibly hopeful that we see TMX completed in a timely manner. I'm hopeful that Keystone XL can continue. And, and my great hope is that Canadians recognize the importance of the energy industry from coast to coast and the benefit it provides to every province, to every region, to every community and get behind the initiatives that ultimately need to be done and that is, ensure, is to ensure that we have um, adequate pipeline access across this great nation. That in fact we're using Canadian energy where it makes sense economically as opposed to bringing um, energy from foreign dictatorships right up the St. Lawrence River while we can't even ship Alberta energy out the northern BC coast. So, so that is my great hope in the long term. I've departed severely from my notes, but I'll, I'll turn the last page. So Alberta's budget is about improving Alberta's competitiveness to attract investment, to get people working, not only for the benefit of Alberta, but for the benefit of the nation. And we do have a diversified and increasingly diversified economy. So whether it's energy or food processing or tech, uh, AI, machine learning, capital will find a friend in Alberta. We're, we believe that deeply in, in the years to come. So our budget is more than a prudent path to balance. It really is the foundation for future economic growth and prosperity. And I'm confident that it will provide that foundation. I'll close with, with these uh, few words. You know, uh, something that's been very encouraging to me as a lifelong Albertan is that the, the very spirit and character that that drove Alberta to provide that outsized contribution to the rest of the country remains alive and well with many in the province. We are a province of entrepreneurs. We're a province of folks who believe in self-responsibility. We're a province where the majority of Albertans believe there should be a strong correlation between risk and effort and corresponding reward. We're a province that defends freedom, that believes in limited government and freedom and liberty to the people. The last two elections have indicated to me that we've not lost that entrepreneurial vision in Alberta. And that's why I remain incredibly hopeful and optimistic for the future of our province and the future of our province within this great confederation. Thank you. All right, we do have uh, time for the minister to take a few questions. Uh, we, I don't know if we have some mics uh, moving around, but it, yes, we do. So if anybody would like to, uh, uh, to ask a question, now is your time. Maybe I'll kick it off. The, uh, 
the challenge of uh, going from a commitment to not cut spending to realizing you had a hard choice to make and, and uh, pull it down two or three percent. Um, what sort of goes through your mind and deliberations in making that choice, and you know how did you and the premier think about that when framing it to Albertans? Sure, <clears throat> that's a, that's a great question. You know, if if I was asked how hard will it be to reduce spending in Alberta by 2.8% prior to taking office, I would have casually said, oh, how hard can that be? You know, our, in our businesses, we've all had to reduce spending. Um, in our households, we've all had to, at times, turn that trajectory down. I, I will say this, um, it, that was much more difficult than I would have believed, and it involved some very hard choices. There's no doubt about it. Again, I, I, I think we've landed well. I think we've landed thoughtfully. This was a surgical uh, um, budget as opposed to an across-the-board cuts. Uh, we, um, we were thoughtful about, about our spending reduction. One thing I will add, though, is that we rec I recognize that uh, there's great, um, Alberta has great revenue volatility risk going, future, or in, going forward in the future. And, uh, and it was, I made it clear in our budget presentation, and, uh, and I think I need to make this clear. In the event, outside factors uh, reduce our revenues from the from our projected amounts additional spending restraint will be required and we will be prepared to do that that's great thank you um, any questions from the room right over here we have one Uh, thanks very much, Minister. I'm Doug Morton from the Canadian Standards Association. You mentioned in your presentation that you thought red tape reduction would be a, a significant uh, or would make a significant impact in Alberta. Can you give us an idea of, of what kind of red tape reduction is primarily being looked at? Sure. That that's a great question. In a you know my, the broad answer, I'll, I'll provide a, a better answer. But the broad answer is we're looking at at every sector, um, certainly um, you know public services, healthcare, uh, our education system. Uh, but, but we're really focusing initially on the private sector, and uh, you know in agriculture, uh, the energy industry is key. We have, and I, I believe it's a function of um, a very uh, prosperous times. Over time, we allowed regulatory creep into our energy industry and to where uh, we do not, we have far from the fastest and freest and most thoughtful regulatory environment for our energy industry. And so I know uh, our associate minister is keying in there. He's working with CAP and with, uh, with the industry as a whole to identify uh, not only the regulatory changes that need to take place, but also uh, changes in process and changes in culture, which can be so much of the challenge uh, when we're looking to improve the regulatory system. So, so put it this way, we're focusing on regulatory improvements uh, that will um, improve our business environment, that will be likely to attract investment and, uh, and grow our economy. That's where our primary focus is originally, initially. Thank you very much. So much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I started this by saying how great it would be to have someone from the West come here and address us as, a, I suppose, a room of largely Central Canadians. And uh, 
Minister Taves' remarks only underscored for me how important it is for us to appreciate uh, what is taking place in Alberta. Um, an incredible story uh, and, and a real effort being undertaken to make sure that the energy sector, so vital to this country, continues to have success. So uh, we know uh, you're doing your level best uh, to get that province going. And as we have, as we come through a federal election when the country seems more divided and regional than ever, um, it sounds like you and the Premier are doing what's required to, uh, to help bring this country together, uh, to be inclusive, but making sure, of course, Albertans uh, have a place to work. And uh, so for that, uh, we are uh, very appreciative. Thank you. I will say in closing that uh, we have a couple events coming up. On November 18th, uh, we have an Empire Nights event taking place at the Albany Club of Canada. I think it's going to be very interesting. It's going to include the campaign managers of the, uh, of the Conservatives, the Liberals, and the NDP party uh, in conversation discussing actually what took place in that election. On November 20th, we have Mark, Mark Poeska, the CEO of Hydro One. He will be addressing the club at the Sheraton. And on November 21st, we have Patrick O'Driscoll, CEO of Corby Spirits and Wine, uh, who will be addressing the club at One King West. Thank you very much. This meeting is now adjourned.